0: Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice
1: of their founders.
0: What is going on, guys? Josh Savo here. Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to uh, speak a little bit about our membership program that we created a little over six months ago at this point. Uh, if you're not familiar, what we did is we built this platform that gives members discounts of up to 50% off 90 plus startups. Many of these startups are the brands that we interview on this podcast. Um, So the reason we created the platform is really to help uh, outdoor enthusiasts discover new innovative startups really related to their favorite outdoor activities, whether it's skiing, climbing, hiking, camping, whatever, really, um, and be able to get a discount on them. So basically in addition to that, you can also apply to become an ambassador for for these brands um, all from one location. You can do it basically a click of a button. It makes it super simple. Uh, we'll also showcase a lot of the new products that these brands are working on. Uh, you can get access to demo and trade show deals up to 60% off all of their stuff at the end of the season. Um, and lastly, we have a private Facebook group for everyone who participates uh, to get to know us and each other on a more personal level and really help us um, build the future for really the outdoor space and showcase new innovative brands. So if you want to check it out, head over to readyyeti.com slash members, and uh, you can get your first month free. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. And on today's episode, I'm sitting down with one of the co-founders of Regrain, Dan Rock. Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me.
1: Oh, of course. Thank you for having me.
0: Without a doubt. So Let's let's start off with uh, describing exactly what Regrained is for the listener that may not be familiar with your business. How would you best describe it to someone who's never heard of you?
1: Sure, yeah, so Regrained is a food company that has come up with a way to take the grain that the beer brewing process creates, and we rescue that, the stuff that doesn't become beer, it's all the protein and all the fiber, and we... We've come up with a way to turn it back into a raw ingredient, into a flour. And then we use that flour and we create healthy, sustainable, and delicious snacks.
0: That's awesome. So how did, how did you come up with this idea?
1: Well, uh, necessity is the, the mother of invention. As they say, I was an underage college student. Um, and in this case, it was actually, the it was beer <laughs> that, that, that that drew me uh, in. We couldn't buy beer, of course, as 18, 19, 20-year-olds, and learned how to make beer as a way to to do that. And through that process, we learned a lot about the beer-making process, the ingredients that go into it. And every time we made a batch of beer, we found that we were left with basically a a cooler full of what looked like oatmeal and nothing to do with it. Uh, And so throwing it away felt really wasteful and started baking it into bread, as there's kind of been a rich history of home brewers doing that, and then actually selling those loaves of bread in order to brew beer for free. One thing kind of led to another, and eventually uh, we, we realized that the timing of when we'd come up with this idea was right around when when craft beer was, was blowing up. And we realized that there might be an opportunity to work with these craft breweries that were opening uh, two per day, many of them in city centers, and take the grain that they've been using to brew that they're unable to get farmers to come and pick up and come up with a way to turn it uh, back into food. And it's been... Uh, it's been quite the journey uh, from that, from the first batch of beer and that first batch of bread to, to where we are today. So you started this process in, in 2011, correct? Yeah, that's when we when we kind of came up with the the idea, our light bulb moment.
0: And then, so you you worked on it for a couple of years. In that span, you made bread, and then uh, in 2013, you decided to turn it into a full fledged business, right?
1: Yeah, more or less. I mean, so the way I describe our, our roots was as recreational entrepreneurs. So we, we loved what we were doing so much, but it was always, it was a side hustle until 2016, really the end of 2016. So we, we registered an actual business in 2013 and we started doing farmer's markets and events, but it was always something that we were doing uh, on weekends and in our free time, just kind of pouring our, our, our passion into it. I mean, it's now been a full, full-fledged business with full-time employees for a little bit over a year.
0: That's great. Now, I'd love to ask you a little bit about your your upbringing. Um, did you always know that you, at some point, we were going to start a business? Or I, I guess what I'm asking is what was your childhood like and ha- what really got you to that point um, where you were like, okay, let's do this?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I would have articulated it in that way, but in retrospect, it's you know, there's kind of a clear arc that um, that you can find for both myself and my co-founder, Jordan. Um, growing up, was always really interested in, in leadership, starting youth groups uh, in high school. I got really into designing merchandise for the for the youth group, which was you know essentially an entrepreneurial position. Um, and also grew up with really strong values, both Jordan and I, around sustainability. We grew up in Northern California, really appreciative of the outdoors, you know, bikers, skiers, hikers, and so we kind of had this, uh, as well as actually being, you know, we can't discount the fact that we grew up in. In Silicon Valley, right, with um, you know this massive uh, tech startup scene that really made it seem like, you know, the, the you'd meet founders of companies as our friends' parents, and you know, you there's kind of this attitude that you can you can start something from nothing uh, here, and so we weren't really afraid to to put ourselves out there and to start doing it. So I think it's kind of this combination of you know our natural tendencies to. Uh, to want to you know to build something and to want that thing that we're building to be to be meaningful and to be surrounded by examples of many meaningful things being being built around us.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, how did you develop the product o- over the time span from twenty eleven to currently um, where you guys are
1: now? So, there's been a few different ways. Uh, when we first started, we joked that our product used to taste like a good idea, um, we kind of. <laughs> We kind of took this, uh, we knew we had a very real idea that this loop should be closed between the brewers and, and, and food, and we just made small batch after small batch of, of bread, and then eventually granola, and then eventually granola bars, um, and kind of tried to take the feedback of our customers, uh, you know, and friends and family uh, you know, along the way. So it was very iterative, very much like a, you know, that, that MVP model, right? Like, we'll just get something out there that works. It doesn't have to be perfect. And then we'll hold ourselves subject to improvement as we go along. Now we actually just uh, relaunched our you know our first two flavors of bars and launched a third a third flavor and th- these were actually professionally developed. So you know when we uh, hired our first employees about a year ago, one of them is a is a chef and a product developer. Um, and with him and with some other you know with some other partners, um, we actually did a real true you know product development process to take all the feedback that we had been gathering. Um, and incorporate it in, into the product. So,
0: so now, now that you have this this product, right, how did you, what did you do to grow and really gain that exposure and get that client base? And cause at, most of your sales are online or are they also uh, in brick and mortar stores?
1: Yeah, we're starting to dip our toes into, into brick and mortar. Uh, we did it, we started to get into retail kind of softly the last year in our home market. You know, really, as a as a learning exercise to see what how people thought about it, what people thought about our product and our branding. Uh, but so online was really where we uh, really where we we got our start, and is still a, a, a big percentage of our business. And what we've done is we've kind of tried to, we've tried to create a very fun, approachable, people driven brand. You know, that puts our values out front. You know, talking freely about things like. Um, compostable packaging and why most companies don't do that, and why we're doing that. And um, also, we've been very fortunate with with the press. We've had a, we've had some oppor- amazing opportunities to tell our story to the media because of the novelty of what of what we're doing, and because probably a lot of it attributed early on to the tagline "Eat Beer." It really got people's attention, um, and we'd use that kind of cognitive dissonance that comes with those those two familiar words and an unfamiliar combination as as. Kind of as a hook to tell people what we're what we're actually up to, and uh, it turned out that it that it's been resonating, and so we still have a long way to go. Long way to go, but um, we really truly believe that to you know to pull this thing off, you know, as much as we can engage directly with the people that are you know actually eating our product and making it a part of their their daily ritual, the better.
0: So I want to ask uh, with Regrant, obviously one of the the main aspects is is tackling. Um, the food issue in the sense of the fact that there is a a large percentage of food um, in this world just wasted, right? Um, So I'd love for you to sort of build upon your mission and the ultimate goal behind Regrain and really tackling
1: that issue. Sure. Yeah. So it's estimated that about a third of all the food that we grow is never consumed, which is a pretty staggering stat, especially when you consider the fact that about one in seven Americans at least are food insecure. They don't know where the next meal is coming from. Uh, for us, you know, what's even crazier is that that's, that doesn't include edible things like edible byproducts. So the material that we're working with it's known uh, in the industry as spent grain brewer's spent grain because it's it's gone through the manufacturing process of, of creating beer. Um, they've extracted the sugars from it, and that stuff that's left over it can't be used to make more beer. Uh, so. It is a byproduct. You know, it's not like an apple that was grown and never eaten. But there's still a lot of nutritional value and a lot of potential in it. And really what Regrain's mission is, is to be this ingredient platform that closes the loop between edible, nutritious manufacturing byproducts like brewer's spent grain and uh, the end consumer. And so we're doing that first by focusing on this, on this grain from the, that the beer industry creates because of how nu- nutritious it is, because of how overlooked it is. This you know we call it edible upcycling, um, or it's like the circular economy for food, but it's, it's, not, it's not a new idea. You know a lot of people consume whey protein, right? Um, whey is actually the byproduct from making cheese, and it's very out. Inab- <laughs> yeah, I it's, had no idea. Uh, and now there's cheesemakers that may sometimes make cheese uh, you know, because the way is so high value. But originally it was a cost center for them. It was a, a waste stream that they had to find a way to, to get rid of. And so we see a very similar opportunity with, um, with the grain that is, that is created from the, the beer brewing process. Uh, and you know, our mission is to enable our, our food system to do more with less by, by closing this loop. Um, we think that it will create a you know, more sustainable, more prosperous food economy. And, you know, using our brand to create the market for this new ingredient, um, put out products that are made with it. And then we're actually actively partnering with other food companies. And we'll kind of be like an Intel inside for food. So, you know, it'll be other food products that are that are powered by regrain that are using this super grain that we've developed. And eventually we can turn to other uh, other byproduct streams. But this is where we're focused right now.
0: Now, over the process of, of you developing this process and building Regrain, you started working with the Department of Agriculture, correct?
1: Yeah, it blows my mind to say that, but it's, <laughs> it's true. <laughs>
0: so what you, What exactly are you doing with them?
1: Yeah, so the USDA uh, has a, a division within it called the ARS, the Agricultural Research Service. And they exist, to, you know, among other things, to partner with, uh, with private sector companies to bring about technology uh, that solves problems that they care about. So, food waste is something that that the USDA is very concerned about because it's um, it's just a huge opportunity. It's a win-win on all fronts to solve it. Uh, and in our case, we actually we have uh, there's a, there's a technical challenge. You know, there's a reason why. Uh, I mean, there's a few reasons why. But one of the one of the reasons why there hasn't been other companies that have been doing uh, exactly what we're doing is because processing the stuff that comes out of the out of the brewery. Uh, is is very energy intensive through traditional methods because it's like very wet. I don't wanna to get too technical, but basically it comes out very wet. And then when things are wet, they're really unstable. And when they're unstable, they're not food safe, right? So we had to come up with a way to create a food safe ingredient out of this um, out of this stream. And there's, there's a team within the USDA within their healthy processed foods lab that's really focused on bringing about um, solutions that, that create like novel food sources from, from plant-based waste. And so we partnered with them to develop technology uh, that, you know, that we're currently mid process of patenting uh, to actually make this solution at scale really viable. And it's been a really exciting journey. And once we have our patent secured, you know, we'll actually, we'll really be able to scale this model, which is really our vision uh, globally, everywhere that beer is brewed and food is made, which is all around the world. And, um, this partnership with the USDA was really a, a central component of, of us being able to you know take a step towards that big lofty vision.
0: Now, did you approach
1: them, or did they reach out to you? Yeah, so um, I fortunately was turned on to them by a very close friend, uh, because it's about twenty three clicks into their website before you find contact information <laughs> about this about this project. Um, so I did. I, I reached out to them cold. I have a you know I had a, a brief. Stint in sales. I mean, you're always in sales, but I was, you know, not afraid to write a cold email or make a few cold calls. I actually heard back within a few days, uh, and you know, we started. We came in to meet with them. They have an office right across the bay from us, uh, right near Berkeley, and we decided that working together would be uh, would be mutually beneficial, and it's 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 kind of wild. Um, Heard back, you know, wrote the government an email and heard back. I mean, of course, they're just people, right? And they're they're and in this case, uh, you know, on this team in particular, they're they're really great people that have been, you know, enormously helpful for for our company and our mission.
0: It's amazing how one email can uh, change so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were. <laughs> I don't know what we would have done. We would have had to probably hire an engineer that we couldn't afford or or something crazy. Yeah.
0: It's crazy those little moments to find such a pivotal part of your company. Um, so did you have any mentors along your journey?
1: Oh many. I mean, so Jordan and I started this business when we were 20, 21, right? So very uh, green, if you will. And so we've we've always surrounded ourselves with people uh, that you know basically have seen you know we've like seen this movie before. Um, try not to learn everything by doing some things you can't avoid learning by doing, but try to always be really intellectually honest about knowing what we don't know. And of course the scariest thing is not knowing what you don't know. And, you know, you hope that you can sign yourself with, with experienced you know, advisors and mentors that can, that can help you do that. And so we've had, you know, we, we, have, we do have at this point a formal advisory board. Um, and then we also have a lot of informal advisors and support from our, from our community. And we wouldn't have been able to do it without them either.
0: That's interesting. Now, obviously, one of the big aspects of regreen is, is the sustainability aspect. So um, I know this because I've gotten to taste some of your bars, but your packaging is, susta- is sustainable, right? Where it's um, not your typical plastic that's just going to go in a landfill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, obviously, you've looked at most of the process in which you operate in making sure that it has the least amount of impact. So I'd love for you to sort of go into um, – how you set that up and why you're doing it and maybe, um, some unique aspects of it that people may not be aware of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that people are not aware of, I'll start there is that most food companies are also actually just consumer, you know, packaged goods companies in general, they're also in the business of creating trash. And it's, a, it's a total shadow side of, of, of our economy that doesn't get talked about that much. Um, You know, in the particular case of of a bar, like a snack bar product like we create, the industry standard material is basically comprised of layers of little, like very thin layers of plastic, um, like many layers of of plastic, and there's no end-of-life solution for this. uh, I mean, there's a company called TerraCycle that can turn it back into bags and things like that, but it doesn't break down in nature, it can't be recycled, mostly it just ends up going to landfill. and our company, at our core, you know what we're all about doing is 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 showing the world that, you know, that, so to speak, you can you can have your beer and eat it too, right? We can we can be a sustainable company, and we can uh, also make have that be at the heart of every decision, including packaging. And so we've you know we have a. Kind of several non-negotiable values, um, which is a term that that, that, um, I'm not the first to say, and I think it's a really useful framework for you know starting a values-driven business. You know, where where are we not willing to bend? And creating uh, filling landfills with packaging was an area that is a that was just not not somewhere that we would go. And so we worked with a packaging company. We've had a few iterations of it. We use a compostable uh, backyard compostable film, uh, and. We've actually just, our new bars actually have a new kind of recipe for that film. It's, it's two layers, I can get really technical and, and nerdy about it, and you don't want me to do that. But it's something that um, we hope to be kind of the guinea pig for the rest of the industry. It's very challenging for companies to work backwards in their supply chain and introduce a, a piece of packaging that costs more and has a shorter shelf life, right? I mean, that's a lose-lose. The right thing is not the easy thing there. Uh, but it's kind of it's this great irony because unless other companies get on board and start doing this and bring down the costs of the film and encourage you know innovation and improving these materials, you know we'll continue to on this trajectory of having more plastic in the ocean than fish by I forget what the year was I think it's like twenty twenty thirty or twenty forty if that's you know projected to happen so for us we decided we didn't set out to start a packaging business it turns out that uh, you know we've we've become packaging experts along the way too um, and you know it's just something that is really uh that we really stand behind and hope that we can make a, a difference there as well
0: yeah it's really the once i got into building ready yeti and working with so many startups it sort of made me realize how much of a issue packaging is and oh, yeah. how um, such a large how much how much of waste it really makes up, you know what I mean? Yeah uh, And you don't really think about it, especially when you're constantly if you're getting things and you're just busy or whatever, you don't really think about where that plastic goes. Um, whether you're going to the grocery store and you're picking up groceries and you come home with 15 plastic bags <laughs> yeah. or you're just you know eating bars on a, on a regular basis. So, like for me, like I probably eat a couple of, a, a week, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then throw it the, throw it out, and then you just don't even think about it.
1: Yeah, it's out of sight, out of mind, yeah. and it's inconvenient to think about it. You know, because you're buying these things because they're convenient, and it's the way that our you know that our economy is 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 set up. Um, I think that cons- as consumers, we have the uh, the opportunity to support companies that are making meaningful strides. You know, in that of course they have to have a product that you you know just like at its core in the first place, not just like what it's wrapped in. But if you do, you know, like that product and support what they're trying to do, the only way for for there to be a change is if it comes if it comes from consumers. And we are starting to see that shift, um, which is which is really great. We're actually part of a group called OSC two. Uh, it's like a it's a collection of, of of brands that are you know kind of setting out to tackle uh, a number of issues uh, related to climate change or climate chaos. Um, you know, packaging packaging being one of them. So hopefully, uh, we, <laughs> we can reverse this thing before it's too late. But in our case, we're starting with it, uh, from, from the beginning, you know, not having to work, not having to work backwards. So, um, that's really important to us.
0: Definitely. And we'll, we'll include a link to that in the show notes for anyone who's listening who wants to check that out, isn't aware of what they do. Um, so I want to pivot and talk a little bit about the culture behind, uh, regrant. So you're, you're, you have a team of six, uh, you're based in San Francisco um, what is sort of the, the daily operation look like? I know you guys raised a little bit of money and now you've got this, uh, unique, um, thing that you guys are going to be doing. Uh, and I'll let you sort of fill in the details as to what that is, but I'd love for you to share, um, more about
1: that. Yeah, sure. So starting, starting with the team, um, you know, it's a pretty, it's a, the divide happen happens kind of along the 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 co-founder world. So when Jordan and I started the business, we tried to very clearly define our lanes, and uh, we learned from you know a number of, of books by other founders that that was a really important thing to do early on. Our favorite framework was Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside, uh, and so I'm Mr. Outside. That's why you're hearing my my voice, uh, Jordan. <laughs> Mr inside you know when we look at it as you know i, I Mr outside make sure that the business is growing Mr inside make sure that the business can grow right so as soon as we as soon as we hired people we we kind of backfilled you know each of us were doing a million jobs and now we each have two people on our team that are doing you know hundreds of thousands <laughs> of jobs um so we've got, on, on my side, I've got someone, you know, that, that is helping, that's doing sales and someone that's doing marketing. On, on Jordan's side, he's got someone that is uh, overseeing product and production and innovation in that area and also just, you know, general operations, um, you know, getting, getting shit done. Um, the way that we were able to hire people uh, was, you know, through some fundraising. Um, you know, we kind of bootstrapped this thing for many years. We actually did a rewards-based crowdfunding campaign campaign. Um, 2015 to fund our first round of, of, of packaging, of like printed packaging. And then about a year and a half ago, we started raising uh, kind of, you know, angel investment from, from friends and family and from people that, we, that we'd met along the way. And actually, um, right now, uh, we are in the middle of a second type of, a very new type of, of, of crowd raise, where we have made it so that our customers and our community can actually invest in our business through, through, an, online, through an online portal. Uh, there's kind of new, new regulations that have made this happen. It's really exciting. It makes it so that you don't have to be a millionaire to be an investor. And it makes it so that you know, we can make sure that we're continuing to rally people behind our, our business that kind of believe in the cause and believe in, believe in the mission. And um, you know, we're, we're, we're so excited to, to now be able to, to do that uh, to kind of help take us to the next level.
0: So how exactly does that work and when will when will people listening be able to check that out
1: so listeners can actually go now uh, to to check it out um, you can get there from our website or it's uh, through the MicroVentures portal um, which is a you know a, 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 actually part of indieGoGo and the all the details of it are there um, and it's a we, we've created a very hopefully a very approachable campaign and we've uh, you know we're not allowed to talk about too many of the details on the air, but we can a- answer questions about that uh, on the on the forum, on the page itself. Um, and it's just a really exciting moment for us to be able to tap into into our community you know, in this way um, and not because because traditional means of, of capital are not um, necessarily suited to the kind of business that, that we're kind trying to grow with with long-term impact you know we're trying to grow a brand that's going to be here in in 100 years not that's you know trying to sell the highest bidder um, in the shortest amount of time and we want to make a really meaningful impact make decisions on things like packaging uh that is not uh in the kind of interest of of, of the bottom line when looked at it in the, in the short term right you know picking something that's more expensive that shortens the shelf life of your product right so um, being able to to have those kinds of people um, providing us the capital to, to grow our business is, is really meaningful for Regrand.
0: What has been one of the hardest parts about starting and building Regrand?
1: So one of the hardest things, I think, when starting and building Regrand, and this, this has kind of changed over time, but I think one of the main themes is to is knowing when I, when we should be putting our resources into working in the business versus putting, you know, resources into working on the business. Um, you know, for a while, both Jordan and myself were doing everything, including production of our product. And it hit a point where we had to decide, okay, this is taking away time from working on the business and actually putting the infrastructure in place uh, to be able to grow. So I think that, you know, that's something that, you um, you know, is kind of, a framework that, you know, has been useful to kind of think about along the way. Uh, when you're starting a business, especially when it started as a hobby and then transitions into your full-time job, um, creating that, that separation is, is a really classic uh, example of, what, you know, what can be hard because you could work around the clock and that's obviously not very healthy. Uh, so it's super important to us to have, you know, to have balance um, and to make time to do things like go on long bike rides or um, or ski, you know, we we did our first board meetings on chairlifts, uh, you know, back in the day and we hope Love that it. that, that continues. So, <laughs>
0: um, so what would you say is, uh, one of your greatest fears in regards to regrand and how do you manage it?
1: Yeah. Well, no, well there's, I guess many, many fears probably. Uh, one of the big ones is that what, you know, we're, we're so, um, extroverted in and everything that we do, um, you know, we've, we've never been shy and speaking and speaking out about, about what we're doing and being really transparent. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it definitely is a little scary to think that there's maybe some, uh, companies or individuals out there that, you know, with, with a lot more resources than we have that are basically waiting for us to prove this market opportunity sufficiently for them. And then, um, you know, have, you know, come after us really aggressively as a, as a fast follower. And there's, um, you know, lots of examples of that, of that happening in the past. So that's, that's definitely one thing. You know, another is to kind of balance knowing if we're, if we're, I guess, sufficiently balancing growing fast enough versus not first growing sustainably. Right. So like it's, it's really tempting to want to just go really, go really big, really fast. Um, and It's also not always the most sustainable way to grow a business. When I say sustainable, I mean, um, I'm not talking about environmental sustainability. I'm talking about, like, actually, you know, your company's ability to sustain the growth because growth is expensive. And uh, many companies, uh, especially in this space, grow themselves to death. And so it's knowing what opportunities to say yes to, which ones to, to pass on, and being really strategic about, you know, kind of deploying the resources that we have with a focus on the long term because it is so tempting to just focus on the short term and month to month and quarter to quarter and, and year to year, uh, but it's it, it really needs to be much more than that if we're going to have the kind of long-term impact that we're hoping to as a company.
0: Of course. Now, along this journey from when you started in, in 2011, what would you say has been one of the biggest mistakes that you've made?
1: Hmm. Biggest mistakes that we've made? Um, <laughs> you know, so uh, we've learned from a lot of these things. So it's it's it's, um, well, you know, kind of the first thing that comes to mind uh, is that when we when we first came up with our with our product, uh, you, know, you could say that it tasted like a good idea. And I don't know that it was a mistake to bring a product to market that wasn't the best that it could be, because it actually, with the resources that we had, it enabled us to to iterate and to and to grow in that way. But if we could have started with the product that we have today you know when we when we when we had started the company i think um, you know that would have been uh, perhaps a different trajectory i don't know that it would have been better necessarily because maybe it would have made another bigger more catastrophic mistake you know along the way there but um you know i think it's your what if you're making a, a product that that product has to be incredible for you to be successful and you can't, you know, early on, we were so just excited about this concept and this model for what we were building and that it was, it was so important and so something that people could get behind. Um, But your product has to be good first. And then if it happens to be sustainable and happens to be impactful, I mean, that's, that's, that's really a better way to do it. One of my favorite examples is, is, is Tesla. Um, You know, they make a really fast, really beautiful car that happens to be electric right? And, you know, we are, we need to approach the food that we create in the same way. We need to make really incredible, really great tasting, really affordable food that like happens to solve this, this big, you know, food waste problem. Uh, if we're going to be successful, I think that's, um, that's going to be core to it. So I think I kind of circuitously, uh, dodged your question and just answered with what I, what I wanted to answer with, but, uh, you know, hopefully it's <laughs> somewhat insightful for, for all the listeners out there.
0: No, I think you brought up a lot of really great points. So like, you got to have a great product first, and if you don't, then you're not going to make it. <laughs> Doesn't that's matter right. how good, what, how great your mission is, or any of that. People aren't going to buy something that's crappy. That's yeah, really what yeah. it comes Just down at,
1: to. Le- at least not more than once.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely not more than once. <laughs> um, so, what what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether uh, really focusing on uh, sustainability right because obviously it's more expensive it's more cumbersome because it there's not as much of a blueprint right especially when it comes to packaging and all that sort of stuff so what what, what advice would you give to someone that really wanted to um, start a business like that
1: yeah I mean I think I would challenge you a little bit and that it there are win-wins to be found you know in our case like the core of our model we're turning what we're turning what would have been treated as a waste stream or as a very low value byproduct stream, and we're turning that into a much higher margin product, right? So at our core, like our model for sustainability, you know, if I'm going to be really crude about it, we're turning trash into money, right? So there there is a lot of opportunity that you know that really encourage if you're trying to start a for profit business, um, you know, to per- pursue that you know that actually are incredibly financially viable and don't trade off environmental impact for um, for profit, but I think it's important to c- to consider both, you know, along the way. And I think being defining your values is, is really really important. Um, it's really tempting to want to boil the ocean, and you know, with so- with something like packaging, like we decided that, that was a that was a core issue that we wanted to focus on. Um, there's a number of other things that we started out thinking that we really want to focus on in the long term, things like sourcing everything local. And of course, we still try to get as much local as we can to reduce the, you know, the food miles that, you know, that things travel to. Uh, but if we want to use Manuka honey, for example, which is in our, which is in our bar because it's got a lot of great health properties. It tastes, it tastes really awesome. Only one place to get that New Zealand, you know? So, you know, you got to kind of, uh, decide which, uh, which, kind of I guess battle, you know, you're um you're best suited to you know your company's best best suited to fight and not try to do to do everything and just try to really simplify as much as possible and you know, pour all the, the the few resources that you have when you're getting going into the things that are gonna have the you know the highest impact and the the hardest part is knowing knowing what that is. Um but you kinda gotta go through that go through that exercise. And more generally, you didn't ask this, but in starting a business, just as I'm thinking about this, it's like uh, find a (laughs) co-founder. You know, doing this alone is uh, is not advisable. uh, I I would say, and you know, that would apply to sustainable businesses and just you know businesses you know in general. I think that uh, yeah, go at it alone. Kind of crazy. Are you at the salon?
0: No, no, no. I, yeah. I, I would die if I was. <laughs> yeah, see, there we go. Yeah. Like, yeah, you need someone to suffer with.
1: <laughs> because, yeah, and you gotta and you gotta be really you gotta really enjoy what you know type type two fun too. You know exactly, they, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and like no one will understand what you're going through except for your 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 partners, right? Yeah. Like, like at the end of the day, like my girlfriend has no idea, <laughs> you know, what I go through on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, my my wife knows she's my second marriage. You know? Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so where where do you see regrain going in the next year, five years, ten years? If you thought about it,
1: yeah, definitely thought about it. Um, so this year is a really marquee year for us. We're actually, you know, making uh a, with with this investment, we're going to actually be launching you know our our products in a really big way into into the marketplace. So that's our bars. And then we'll have actually a, uh, a savory snack coming out later in the year. We're working on some really exciting um, kind of co-developed, co-branded products with other food companies that, that I can't disclose, but that, you know, bringing some of those projects to fruition will be really exciting as well, because this is a, I mean, we're talking about millions of tons of this of this material. Billions of pounds of, of, of this grain is created by the brewing industry every year, and of course we wanna sell as many of our own products as we can with that, but we see massive opportunity for, for scale by partnering with companies that already have established product lines and points of distribution and you know having this um, having us become a, a signature ingredient for them. And so when you look, you know, five years out, we want to see uh, in every aisle of the grocery store products that, that feature our regrained uh, flour, you know, in it. Um Ten years out, I hope that we're licensing our technology and our model all around the world, everywhere that beer is brewed and, and food is made, uh, which is which is everywhere. So, yeah, we've got pretty we got we got our work cut out for us. That's for sure.
0: Sounds like you do. Now, <laughs> well, what's the best part about running Regrained?
1: Probably having just a very well defined and tremendous sense of purpose. You know, so knowing that what we're doing here can m- make a meaningful impact knowing that we're working on something you know very very real that every hour that you know every minute maybe not every minute you know everyone wastes minutes but you know every every hour that we that we spend on this on this business is bringing it you know closer towards um towards something you know towards being something uh, meaningful and it's also just it's a lot of fun you know it's I mean, it's miserable at times, of course, um, as as you well know. But it's <laughs> it's 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 fun, you know. If, it, uh, if it's a big pow day, I'm going to go take a ski day, oh, you know. Yeah. And, and that's an investment in my mental health, you know. And that's uh, something that's you know is is invaluable, at least to me. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Getting those good days on the on the mountain are, are key <laughs> to keeping me safe. Exactly. Um, well, Dan, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story uh, and what you guys are building with Regrained, and uh, really all the opportunity that's out there in creating something truly unique while offering a great product. Right now, um, for the listener that may not be aware, between uh, January sixteenth and February thirteenth, we're actually going to be giving away um, some regrain bars along with a ton of other gear from other startups, um, in the outdoor and lifestyle space. So if you want to enter, you can head over to readyeddy.com for your chance to win. But Dan, for people that want to keep tabs on what you're doing and everything that's going on with regrain, where's the best place for them to do that?
1: Yeah. Well, you're welcome to email me directly if you want. I'm just Dan at regrain.com, but we're, we're very active on social media at regrained. And, um, you know, we'd love to hear from you, uh, we built this business on the support of our community and we'd love for you to become a part of that community. So don't be shy.
0: Definitely. Well, Dan, again, I I thank you for taking the time. It really was a blast.
1: Hey, you too. Appreciate it. And, uh, take care world.
0: If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself and if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready, Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.